Well, hello, my name is Joel McMahon, and I'd like to welcome you to this podcast from San Philip United Methodist Church in San Philip, Texas. As we begin at this time, let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we just pause now and we thank you for seeing us through uh, a week that uh, has been filled with events, both good and bad. And we thank you that you brought us to this point where we can come together in the name of Jesus, knowing that where two or more are gathered together in his name, that he will be in the midst of them. And so, Lord Jesus, we know that you're right here with us right now. And as you are, I just lift up all of those who are listening, who are ill and homebound and can't get out at this time, and uh, pray that you'll just bless them with a sense of your presence and your peace. For those who love you and know you but are living in uh, danger of their lives for even serving you, we pray, Lord, that you would grant them protection. We lift up all of our loved ones. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would watch over them, see them safely through any trials that they're going through. And Lord, we just uh, pray that as we open up our hearts before you and we just uh, lay our burdens before you, that you would hear the cries of our hearts as we name our specific burdens before you now silently in our hearts. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture lesson is found in the book of Joshua today. The fifth chapter, we're just going to be reading the 13th through the 15th verses. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No. Rather, indeed, I have come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. At this point in time, Joshua has reached a head-spinning moment in his life when we uh, come to the place where we are in the scripture today. The children of Israel have crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground into the promised land under Joshua's leadership, and the Lord has made it clear that the people are going to follow him just like they followed Moses, and the Lord will be with him just as he was with Moses. He's about to lead the children of Israel into their first battle to take claim of the land that the Lord has given his people. And all the kings in the region at this point are terrified because they have heard of the miraculous damming up of the Jordan while the people came across, and they know that God is with these people, Israel. All of Jericho at this point has crowded into the walled city and they barred the entrances in anticipation of an attack from Joshua's army. And now at this point, 
on the outskirts of Jericho, Joshua encounters this warrior with a drawn sword. With all the confidence one would have, knowing that the Lord has assured you that he has your back, Joshua approaches the man and asks, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? And he's saying, Whose side are you on? Are you for us or are you against us? It reminds me of a story I heard last week. A woman rang the doorbell of a house and introduced herself to the little girl who opened the door by saying, Hello, I'm your great aunt on your daddy's side. And the little girl responded, said, Well, I'll tell you right now, you're on the wrong side. We're in a moment in history in our nation that is characterized by factiousness like never before. We've come to this point because we've been turning our backs on God increasingly. We just keep putting him further and further out of the conversation. Uh, I read an article this past week about what causes people to vote the way they do. What motivates them? And the article distilled all the different factors as to what we base our voting decisions on down to three, religion, class, and gender. And even though this was uh, the most recent article that I could find, it didn't get the categories and labels right because they are changing daily in our current atmosphere. But the article did get this much right, religion meaning what our basic beliefs and moral structures are based on, is number one. And it went on to say that there's been a shift in this in recent years. In the past, this division was basically Protestant versus Catholic, and now the division is religious versus non-religious. That shows just how far our nation has drifted from God. As we drift away from God, the fruit which comes forth becomes more and more ungodly. As Christians, our voting and our support or opposition to certain things in the political arena must be godly, even as forces try to pull us into the support of ungodliness. What we're seeing at a national level is more and more the manifestation of the fleshliness uh, that opposes godliness. Uh, The words that Paul said 2,000 years ago are just as real today. Hear these words found in Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 13th, and the, well, through the 24th verses. As for you, my friends, you were called to be free. But do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Instead, let love make you serve one another, for the whole law is summed up in one commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you act like wild animals hurting and harming each other, then watch out or you will completely destroy one another. What I say is this, let the Spirit direct your lives, and you will not satisfy the desires 
of the human nature. For what our human nature wants is opposed to what the Spirit wants, and what the Spirit wants is opposed to what our human nature wants. These two are enemies, and this means that you cannot do what you want to do. If the Spirit leads you, then you are not subject to the law. What human nature does is quite plain. It shows itself in immoral, filthy, and indecent actions, in worship of idols and witchcraft. And now listen to this. This is the heart of the matter today. People become enemies and they fight. They become jealous, angry, and ambitious. They separate into parties and groups. This is what we're facing in this voting season, isn't it? They are envious, get drunk, have orgies, and do other things like these. I warn you now as I have before, those who do these things will not possess the kingdom of God. But the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. There is no law against such things as these, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have put to death their human nature with all its passions and desires. Acknowledging we face this pull of the flesh, I think we can draw a lot from this encounter of Joshua with the Lord at this time. The man, who is the Lord himself, answers, no, whenever God asks him whose side he's on. In some translation, uh, it says, neither. This encounter of, Joseph with the, of, of Joshua with the Lord tells us a lot about the Lord and the proper way to relate to him in every aspect of our lives, including how we vote. Now then, let me back up just a second and and help you to see. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come. He says that he is the prince of the Lord of hosts, or he is the commander in some translations. And this word that's translated commander or prince means highest leader, the greatest leader of all. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And whenever uh, Joshua uh, hears this and he just falls on his face before the Lord, notice that the Lord doesn't say, stand up, I'm just another man. Instead, he says, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. You are in the very presence of of the Lord. So Joshua's encounter is with the Lord himself. And Joshua up to this point was confident that God had his back. God was behind him. God was backing him up. And he could say confidently as Paul did, if God is for us, who can stand against us? And here in this passage, it becomes very clear who can stand against us. Why, it's God himself. Of course, 
He can stand against us, and whenever we get out of his will, he will stand against us. Now, he will bless us for a time, but you see, here in this passage, God has come to Joshua, and he's letting him know something very, very important. You see, God was not only behind him, God was also before him. And before Joshua could go on with the Lord behind him, having his back, he had to have the right perspective. He had to realize that God wasn't with him to back up Joshua's plans and ideas. He was with him to help him carry out the Lord's plans and ideas. And as long as he was doing that, the Lord was going to be with him and for him and behind him and backing him. I have watched many, many a person, many friends, I've watched them start gloriously with the Lord and they just kind of fizzle out because they only grasped half of the picture. They got the being blessed part and they got the having God confirm his presence with miracles and blessing, but what they missed was remaining humble before God. Sooner or later, God's going to confront you and remind you who's in charge. Joshua could not move forward with God having his back until he got his place in God's plans straight in his heart. Our place in God's plan is always that of an humble servant. It's not our place to expect God to just bless our plans and to uh, just be uh, one who's going to back us up in whatever we decide to do. We come to God as his servants, as servants as the Most High God. And it's as we serve him that we are moving in the name of Jesus and that his power is behind us, and that we can agree in, pow, in, in, in prayer together and things will get done, and we can pray in his name because it's as we move in his name we are moving in the Spirit of God. Notice what Joshua did once he realized who he was talking to. He immediately reverenced God and asked, what has my Lord to say to his servant? Joshua was in the right place with God. Later on in the Old Testament, we see a tragic example of someone who was chosen by God, blessed by God, and then refused to walk humbly before God. King Saul. Israel's first king started well with God and God blessed him and blessed his kingdom and sadly he began to trust in his position and trust in himself instead of the Lord who had elevated uh, uh, Saul to his position and he wound up miserably separated from God, actually fighting against God, trying to hold on to what God had given him. 
if he had obeyed God, if he had seen himself as God's servant, God could have blessed him so much more bountifully than he did. He liked what little God had bestowed upon him. How much more could he have had had he realized the whole picture? This can happen to nations as well, and let's face it, it's been happening here in the United States. We have moved from a one nation under God uh, point where God was concerned, the Ten Commandments were concerned, school began with prayer, and uh, people learned to read even passages from the Bible, and all of that we've just shoved out, and we're trying to divorce ourselves now from just all history uh, that connects ourselves to God or godliness, and just be our fleshly self in charge of our own lives. And we have people that are running for offices that are expecting us to entrust our lives to godless people. It's happening in our nation. And that brings us to the heart of what the Lord would like to get across to anyone who hears this message today. And that is this. We need to be sure, as followers of Christ, that we recognize God before us. We put him and his desires before our own. And that includes when we go into that private booth and we vote. It is election time, and lots of voices are challenging us and asking us, are you for us or for our adversaries? And our reply should be the same as uh, that of the Lord when he was asked that question by Joshua. A clear no. I'm not for you and what you want. And I'm not for them and what they want. I'm for the Lord and what he wants. You see, Joshua was operating at the level of it being us or them. And the Lord took him to a higher plane and caused him to see that it wasn't us or them, but it was him. In the heat of the American Civil War, one of President Lincoln's advisors said to him that he was grateful that God was on the side of the Union. President Lincoln replied, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. How about you? In all the political turmoil at this moment in our land, don't let the donkey or the elephant cause you to forget that you belong to the Lamb of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now then, 
as some of you heard this message, you realize that you have been following something besides the Lord, someone besides the Lord. Maybe it's been your friends, maybe it's been your culture, but you realize now that you need to be following him, not being influenced by every whim, not be influenced by just your own self-interest because you know that there's something greater than you out there and you know that if you serve him, you're going to be on the right track. And as you feel that tug in your heart today, that's God. That's the Lord calling to you, letting you know that he wants you to be the real you. Not someone just trying to please other people or uh, make sure that you get along with everybody, but one who is at peace, not just with people around him, but that you're at peace with your creator because then you find peace in all existence in this world and the next. And you know that that is so. And maybe you've named the name of Jesus but you realize now that you've never really given your heart to him. And if you want to receive him now as Lord and Savior, just pray with me right now. Lord, I am so sorry. I know now that I have been serving things that are below you. I am thankful that I can be in your very presence right now and hear you call me to be yours. And today I give myself to you. I know in my own right I'm not worthy, so I thank you that you have made a way to take care of my unworthiness by dying on the cross. Thank you for washing and cleansing me and making me whole. I receive all that you've done for me. And I receive the life the life that's eternal life now from you. Come into my heart, O Lord. Rule and reign there as I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father and Lord Jesus, I pray to you that those who have prayed this prayer with me now, that you will fulfill your promise to come to them and to be with them and to let them know your reality and your presence in their hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And Lord, also there are, there are some people that are ill this day who are listening to this broadcast, and I pray, oh God, that you would touch them with your healing grace and that you would heal them and make them whole. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope I see you again next week. Goodbye and God bless.